We are in Genesis chapter uh, 3, and we're looking at verses 8 through 12 this morning. And I want to just say, Joe and Margaret, thank you so much for introducing me to that prayer chorus. I had not known that one before, but it's just a beautiful uh, chorus, and I really, really enjoyed uh, getting to know that one. Genesis chapter 3, we're in the fall of man. Then the Lord, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. I was intrigued uh, this week a little bit reading um, some from top-of-the-line German scholars and commentators, Kyle and Deleitsch. Um, as I read a brief discussion from them on Adam and Eve hearing God walking in the garden. Now, it says that they walked in the cool of the day in our uh, NIV translation. That, that word seems to suggest a cooling breeze uh, in the evening of the day. But the interesting thing here is that you notice that what they heard was the sound of God walking. It was not at first God's voice that they heard. It was the sound of God's footsteps walking in the garden that caused Adam and Eve to hide. So before we deal with the sin that caused them to hide from God, let us think about this privilege, this awesome privilege that Adam and Eve had in the garden that they lost when they were kicked out of the garden. Those commentators intrigue me with the thought that we often, as people, um, anthropomorphize God. We give God human attributes so that we can kind of relate and understand who he is. And we do that partly because the Bible does that. Um, And so we sometimes tend to take figuratively the language of Genesis chapters 1 through 3. But here, it is quite literal. It is not just figurative language. It is God actually physically walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Being visually present. So that Adam and Eve could relate to them. All of that was lost when they were kicked out of the garden. They could still have fellowship with God, but it wasn't the same. It was like the fellowship that you and I have, where we pray, but we don't see. And we pray, but we don't touch God. We don't hear the footsteps of God walking among us. When God sent Jesus... To take on flesh and dwell among us and then die on the cross for our sins. God once again came in human flesh. Talking. 
and walking among us. In last week's Sunday School lesson, we discussed that son. God being there, walking and talking among us. And he ascended into heaven, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. And the interesting thing is that John says, or Jesus says in the, in the Gospel of John to us, that it is good for us that he go away and the Holy Spirit come. I read a whole book that was just on that verse one time. That the Holy Spirit is so awesome and so wonderful that it's actually better that you and I have the Holy Spirit than to have Jesus still here physically, visually present on earth. Because just like when he was here, he couldn't be everywhere at one time. And the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at one time. But the goal of the Christian faith is for you and I to get back to the Garden of Eden and back to the place where we can hear the sound of God walking in the garden and we can see him and we can touch him. That is what heaven is all about. And so I want to say to you, first of all, from this text, don't get so enamored with this world that you don't look forward to the next world. Your real home. When those days come, when you want God to speak audibly to you, When those days come and you just want to be able to reach out and say, and, and put your hand on God's shoulder, because you're going through something and you just want the physical presence of God, I want you to remember this life is not reality. There is coming a day, if you know Jesus, that you will walk in his presence again. You will see him, and you will hear him. Do not get so enamored with this world that you forget that God is taking you back to the Garden of Eden again. Any other day, and every other day, the sound of God walking in the garden would have brought absolute delight to Adam and Eve. But not on this day. Any other day they would have run to that sound. They would have heard that sound and they would have just taken off to find that. To find God. But on this day, this day that they had sinned, that they had eaten of the apple from the tree that they were commanded not to eat from, this day they heard the sound of God and they decided to run and they decided to hide in the trees of the garden. 
And so instantly, sin had left its mark on Adam and Eve. It had already changed the inner dynamics of who they were as people. It had already changed the way they thought about themselves, the way they thought about God. It changed their identities. It, it just really radically changed them. And the first thing that sin did to Adam and Eve, that it has its impact on us, is Adam and Eve became pretenders. They became hypocrites. They, they became concerned about covering themselves up and masking themselves with fig leaves. They did not want people to see the real them. It's interesting that we live in such a confused world today. We identify as someone else all the time, and it's getting worse. Today, we even identify as another gender. Or as a different age, the news broke this week of a Dutch man suing the Dutch government to have his identity changed so that he is 20 years younger. So that he doesn't have to retire because he's at the retirement age <laughs> there. And so he can buy a sporty car again. And so he can attract younger women. And he's suing to be able to change his age 20 years younger, as if that's going to make any difference at all. <laughs> and so we become hypocrites and pretenders, trying to be something that we are not, trying to hide who we really, really are. The gospel is this. It is always our responsibility to come to Christ just as we are, not pretending to be something we are not. We never come to Christ as hypocrites. We never come to Christ as pretenders. We never come to Christ being someone that we are not. We always come to Christ as we are. And we come to Christ as sinners. Every single one of us. If you want God to do a great work in your life, you start with just being open and honest and transparent with God. He already knows. <laughs> but he's got to get us to the place where we can be comfortable in his presence and con in confessing our sin and telling him who we are. The hymn says it so well. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. The second thing that sin did for Adam and Eve was it distorted their understanding and their knowledge of God. They no longer understood God as God really was. They understood God as they perceived him to be in light of their life experience. And their life experience had been one of disobedience now. And so now they understood God not as who he was, but as who they thought he was. 
And I want to say to us today, this is true for me, it's true for every one of us, but we live our lives needing to overcome the wrong perceptions of God that we accumulate from our life experiences and from our sin nature. Some of you because of the way you were brought up, or maybe you came from dysfunctional homes and and that warped your view of God. Or maybe you've just been through so many life-changing, hard places in life that that warped your view of who God really is. And it affects the way you respond to him. Adam and Eve no longer looked at God as he really was. They looked at God through the lens of their experiences in life. And so one of the things that has to happen in your life and in my life is we have to continually readjust the, the, the lens through which we see God and take off the, the extra lenses that we add through life, through the hardships and through, through the trials and through some of the things that happen in our life so that we can see God for who he really is. And that necessitates the importance for you and I to be in the word of God so that we can get a proper view of who God is. Friends, I want to tell you, you will never fully Understand who God is by listening to me. I've had enough life experience that my view is a little bit warped. You've had enough life experience that your view is a little bit warped on who God is. You have to come to the word of God. It is the perfect picture of who God is. And you have to come to the living word. You have to come to Jesus, who is the perfect image of the Father. And the more you get in the word of God, and the more you come to know Jesus, the more you will know who God really is. Because as a result, you can even go to churches, and they, every church has its own kind of view of God, through its life experience. And so you'll go to some churches, man, they, they've got the truth nailed down. But their God is really stern and not very loving and compassionate. Then you go to churches, and man, there's lots of compassion and love, but there isn't much truth there. And you need to be in the Word, and you need to be in Jesus. (laughs) And you need to find that place that matches up with the Word of God, because our God is perfectly balanced. He is full of grace and truth. He is holy and compassionate. He is the ultimate judge of all the world, and at the same time, the tender shepherd. And so because of Adam's sin, I just want to remind you that one of the things that will happen to you, has happened to you, is that your view of God 
continually needs to be adjusted to fit what the word of God says he is. Instead of how you think God is based on your life experience. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Therefore, your perception of God and my perception of God has nothing to do with who God is. (laughs) He doesn't change. Um, Based on my life experience, he's the same. Based on your life experience, he's always the same. So we have to go to his word. We have to know Jesus in order to really know who God is. Their knowledge of God was distorted. Adam and Eve had a distorted knowledge of God. They somehow came to believe that they could hide from God. (laughs) And, you know, so often we think that same thing. We think we can hide from God, but no, he sees it all. In essence, they were trying to create God-free zones in their life. And so they went and hid in the trees, hoping that that was a God-free zone. And God would not find them. And, and our culture, ever since the 1960s, has been trying to create all kinds of God-free zones in our schools and other places. And let's rip out all the monuments that lead us to remember our heritage and all of that kind of thing. We want to create these God-free zones all around us, just like Adam and Eve did. Others, instead of doing that, they will try to outrun God. Instead of hiding, they'll just take off and run and think God can't keep up with them. (laughs) Still others think that God just doesn't care about their sin and, you know, and so they can do whatever they want. And others are kind of in God's face with their sin. I'm going to show you, God. And all of those are the results of how sin distorts our perception of God and we no longer know who God really is or how he responds to us when we sin. Adam and Eve might have imagined a God who was simply done with them, but God is never done with us. Even in our sin. Even when we eat the fruit of the tree that has been forbidden to us, God is not done with us, and he's still walking. He's still calling out to us. If we learn anything from the Old Testament at all, it is this fact, that God is never done with us. He is interested in us. He is the hound dog from heaven who will chase us down when we run away from him. When we sin, he will discipline us, yes. He will chastise us, yes. He will even send us into exile for 70 years to discipline us and to bring us back to him so we hear his voice again. But God will not leave us alone when we sin. God is too interested in you. God loves you too much. He created you. And when we sin, God will be chasing after us, hoping to draw us back to him. The third thing that sin did, I'm trying to shorten my sermons, but I'm not making much progress. 
<laughs> the third thing that, got, that sin did to us was it created this separation and this barrier between God and man. God not only walked in the garden, but he called out to Adam, where are you? And it wasn't because God didn't know where Adam and Eve were. (laughs) But for Adam, it highlighted the fact that he was indeed, something had happened, they were separated. There was a barrier between him and God. You and I are born into this world, separated from God, and there is we can't bridge that gap. God has to do it for us, which we see him doing when he sent Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. And yet you and I need to believe and receive this gift of eternal life that God has sent to bridge that gap, to close that separation. And then there is the fourth thing that sin does to us. And that marks us with this loss of the ignorance of innocence. More than 20 years ago, probably 22, 23 years ago, we were new at Johnson Corners, and we, our house just sat off about 100 feet from one of the two main highways uh, in McKinsey County uh, that all the traffic went through, uh, from north in Canada and down south to Belfouche and all of that. And so it was, a, it was a main highway. And our house just sat off of there, and you can't grow trees up there. And so there was nothing really out be- between our house and the highway and all of that. And one Sunday, we went to church. John wasn't born yet. And um, had church. And we were, Priscilla and I were busy visiting with people and our kids, um, in the middle of that, got away from us. They went home, and it was summertime, and we had a little plastic, one of those little plastic swimming pools, and it was outside in front of the house for some reason. I normally had, it was in the back after this, uh, that's for sure, but it was out in the front, and they went home, thought it would be fun to go swimming, and so they just went in the house, took off all their clothes, and marched right out, and, and were running out there towards the little swimming pool uh, as all the church people were leaving. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I don't, I don't remember who it was, Priscilla, I'm sure would, but somebody turned around and came back and let us know that we needed to go home and get uh, swimming trunks on our kids and all of that. Uh, <laughs> so our children there had that childhood innocence. They didn't know any better. They were just looking forward to getting out there in the pool. Adam and Eve had that same, as adults, childhood innocence before they sinned. They had absolutely nothing to hide, nothing to be ashamed of. They were completely comfortable with themselves and unabsorbed in themselves. They they were just enjoying the world that God had created. And yet in sin, Adam and Eve lost that innocence. 
And Adam admitted to God of being afraid of God because he was naked. Not because he had sinned, but because he was naked. And he didn't want God to see the real Adam that he'd never been ashamed of before. Being made in the image of God, Adam and Eve before had been clothed in the righteousness of God. And now in their sin, that robe was gone and they were just naked before God with sin. That's how come. It is so important that you and I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as the atonement for our sin and we put on the righteous robe of Christ so that we can go to God at any time with boldness and confidence before the throne, knowing that what God sees is the perfect righteousness of Christ when he looks at us. God asked Adam, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of life that I commanded you not to eat from? And of course, in both of those cases, God knew the answer. (laughs) But God wanted Adam to do something. God wanted Adam to own up to his sin and to own up to his knowledge of his nakedness that was a result of his own disobedience. This is one of the hardest things for us to do, and it was hard for Adam. We'll get into this next week, where Adam just has a horrible time taking responsibility for his sin. And he just shuffs it off and and goes to Eve, and Eve shuffs it off to the serpent. And and no one can take responsibility anywhere in Genesis chapter 3, and that's a result of our sin. That is what... God is interested in helping every one of us do, getting to that place where we can take responsibility for our sin and take it to God, because then he can do something. But as long as we can't own our sin, as long as we can't admit it, as long as we aren't willing to, to do anything, nothing happens spiritually, that transforms our life. Adam could not be allowed to only feel sorrow for the consequences that he had for his sin. Adam needed to feel sorrow for the sin itself. We've all been around children that were sorry for the consequence. (laughs) sorry they got punished, but they weren't sorry for what they did. But the thing is, we don't ever really grow up. (laughs) We, ourselves as adults, we don't like the consequences, but we don't feel sorry for the sin itself. And that's what God wants us to get to, where we can feel sorry for our sin so that he can restore. It is incredibly important for us as Christians not to become hardened in our arrogance so that we cannot recognize our own sin, so that we cannot 
This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to own it. He wants us to confess it. He wants us to repent of it. He wants to re, us to receive forgiveness for it. And sometimes we in the holiness tradition have a little bit of a problem there. We can go through all those steps, but then we don't receive the forgiveness of God. And so we don't move on. And God wants us to receive the forgiveness of God so we can move on. And then he wants us to make restitution for it. But again, that's kind of the last thing we want to do. It goes against our sinful nature and our pride. And so God forces Adam to deal directly with his own sin, as we will see next week. And Adam doesn't want to do that. He wants to shift the blame and not take responsibility. 